to another episode of Daily Feasting on the Words of Christ, helping disciples of Jesus Christ to engage with the Book of Mormon on a more deeper and personal level. So today we are in pages 181 to 186, and we begin with the priest who believed in Abinadi, whose name is Alma. Alma the Elder. We are probably very familiar with his story. If you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you've been a member for quite a while, you are probably very familiar with his story and the story of his people. And in fact, in this chapter, on the very first page, we come across verses that are very commonplace in the church and are very familiar with many, many, many of its members. But even though these verses have become commonplace, I think they are very important verses to understand and to unpack. And so I want to actually take some time to really ponder what these verses can mean to you and to me and, you know, what exactly is the covenant that we have made with the Lord when we are baptized? Because that is what's happening, is that when Alma started to write down the words of Abinadi and to preach his words secretly among the people of Lamhai. He got a big group of people who believed in the words and they wanted to make a covenant with God. And so Alma teaches them what that covenant is. He begins, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for thus were they called. And now as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and to be called his people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens, that they may be light. So first things we learn from this covenant is that we want to become God's people. And if you remember my thoughts in, what episode was that? Whatever episode it was when we covered, I believe it was chapter 5 of the book of Mosiah, when King Benjamin gives his people a name. They're called by the name of Christ, and they become his sons and daughters. This is what Alma's talking about, becoming the people of God, and to be called his people. And so we've already kind of discussed a little how, you know, what we do is a reflection of what God's people are like and that understanding we are a part of the family of God, then that gives us the responsibility to act as such, to act as literally being part of God's family, doing God's work and showing other people an example of what it means to be a part of God's family. And the next line is, and are willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light. I find that really interesting um, phrase here. That we may bear one another's burdens. I think this has a lot to do with service, serving others. Um, but... You know, sometimes 
I can only think of it in a really physical sense, but maybe there's like a mental or spiritual sense in which this applies too. But like, for example, if someone is really struggling with money, we'll just give that as a simple example. Then part of helping to bear one another's burdens might be, you know, paying fast offerings so that those who struggle with trying to make ends meet can receive the extra help that they need so that their burdens may become light. Right? So that's an easy way to think about it. Um, But sometimes, you know, I've also heard that people sometimes just need a listening ear and that just by talking to somebody about things that they're struggling with or the burdens that they have, it makes it lighter for them to bear when they know that they're not the only ones who know. But part of our covenant is being willing to bear other people's burdens and willing to help and to serve those around us and whatever that may be. And Alma continues to expound upon that idea as he says, yea, and are willing to mourn with those that mourn. And I think the word willing to mourn is important. Because sometimes, like, I don't think all of us can just feel what others are feeling. But if there's a willingness to help, a willingness to mourn with those that are mourning, that's all that's required, really, is God requires a willingness of heart, not necessarily the perfect application of the commandments. I was reading a book the other day that was talking about this, talking about you know, how God wants our willingness to keep the commandments more so than anything else. And that he can turn that willingness into a strong desire that actually turns into being able to keep the commandments, even if we had struggled with it before. So God's biggest thing is having our willingness, having our desires, right? He said, love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Well, with all our heart is that willingness part. And so Alma says, willing to mourn with those that mourn. Um, I want to, like I said, I wanted to take time pondering these phrases to understand what they mean. And hopefully you can also take some extra time today to ponder what they mean specifically for you. Uh, And all these examples I'm giving are probably going to be slightly more general or more specific to me uh, mainly because my experience and understanding is rather limited but from what I can think of you know I can think of uh, in an instance like this where I may not have done this where it's easy to forget that this is something to do is say a small child lost a toy or something and now they're sad. Or maybe their favorite 
lizard just died. Like they accidentally just killed the lizard they had found just in the backyard. You know, and now they're really sad. And they come to you crying and whining and asking for your help. And from what I've noticed, oftentimes children come in moments when we don't want to deal with the crying and the whining. But in this covenant, it says mourn with those that mourn. It doesn't specifically say age or what they're mourning about. Just mourn with those that mourn. If they're really sad about something, then we shouldn't tease them or mock them or make fun of them. Right? We shouldn't just offhandedly send them away being like, oh, honey, there's nothing to be sad here get over yourself it's just a lizard or it's just a toy like stop crying this isn't important that's not how God wants us to deal with one another when we find ourselves in sad circumstances nor is it how we would want someone else to treat us if we feel like we lost something important we would want people to say oh I'm so sorry that must be really hard or that's really sad, right? Being willing to mourn even if they can't relate with you. They're at least willing to be there with you and willing to validate the fact that you feel really sad about this. You know, for the little child whose backyard lizard they just found that day died or if they'd lost their toy, you can say, oh honey, that's, that's really sad, I'm sorry. And then and Alma says, yeah, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, which is that mourning child. Like you're willing to be with them and willing to comfort them and to help them through times that may be difficult for them. Everyone is different and different things are going to be important to different people. And we cannot judge or make fun of what's important to them because we do not understand always what meaning behind that was or you know what experiences they've had that have given them a connection to whatever it is they've lost or you know we don't understand everyone's background and history and circumstances it's very easy to look at someone and judge them right off the bat and it's also just as easy to once we finally hear the whole story to be like oh my goodness I change my first impression of this person, right? It, it happens, at least for me, all the time. You know, I meet someone new and I'm like, oh, they're, they're an interesting person. That, that's an interesting haircut or that's an interesting choice of dress. Okay. And then I hear their story and I'm like, oh my goodness, that all makes sense. Now I understand why you're doing all this. Now I understand... That you're a normal human being like me who's gone through really hard times or different times. It's just, you know, it's very easy to judge and to not try not to understand people, to mock them in their circumstances. And we need to remember that when we have made a covenant with God in baptism... And we are willing to mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. 
that we do that regardless of what the circumstance is and we do it without judgment and we do it with love. You know, people are going to be sad over different things and it's okay. It's okay to be sad over different things. There's nothing right or wrong about being sad. There's there's no need to look at sadness as something to be afraid of or avoided. It, it happens to all of us. This is mortality. This is earth life. We're, we're experiencing a mortal life with all of its gamut of emotions and sadness is part of that. And good thing we're not all sad all at the same time or all sad about the same things because now we are in a place to be able to help comfort and mourn with those that need those things, right? We can, we can say, you know what, that is really sad here. Let me help you. If we were down in the dumps too, it can be a little bit harder to help sometimes, at least for me, to be able to extend that emotional capacity to understand the other person and what they're going through. But, you know, uh, all of this so far has been service, right? It's all about bearing one another's burdens. And sometimes bearing that burden is mourning with them or just comforting them in their need of comfort. It's doing what Jesus Christ would do if he were here on the earth with them. You know, in the scriptures, I never hear about Christ mocking the people in their sins or in their sadness or in their times of need of comfort. He always looked upon them with compassion and grace and mercy. And when we make a covenant, and when we make a covenant with God to be part of his family, part of his fold, and to take upon the name of Christ... That means we are covenanting to try and do the things Christ would, Christ-like things, which is comforting those that need comfort and being willing to mourn with those that are sad, even if their sadness doesn't make sense to us. And not judging them for where they're at or how they feel about things. next line that Alma talks about is to stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things in all places that ye may be in even until death so a witness of God right how can we stand as a witness of God at all times in all places and in all things I, you know, I wonder if what it means is that our thoughts and our words and our actions all point to God. That as a witness of God, if we witness a miracle, that we express to those around us that what they had just witnessed is from God, maybe, right? Right? 
Um, let me let me think of like maybe an example that might help illustrate what I'm trying to say because I don't know that what I just said made sense. Um, oh, let, let's do it this way. It's a little bit of a dramatic example, one that doesn't really normally happen as much, but hopefully by this example that makes it quite obvious what it kind of means to be a witness of God, that it will help you to see it in the smaller, ordinary, everyday moments. We'll see. So imagine you were on the side of a street crossing in an intersection, you're a pedestrian, and you witness a car crash. And miraculously, no one got hurt. Of course, you as a witness are asked to say what you've seen. And as a witness of God, I mean, of course, follow the spirit on this news discretion, but you can witness and say, you know, what I just witnessed was a miracle from God that those two people escaped alive out of that serious car accident that should have at least seriously injured both parties. Right? When a miracle happens in our lives, maybe instead of just chalking it up to, oh, what a lucky coincidence, we can say, no, that was the hand of God in my life. You know, God helped me get that good grade or God helped me to get that job or God helped me say the things that need to be said or, you know, when someone's like, you knew exactly what I needed. How did you know? You can be a witness of God and say, God knew what you needed and he told me so through his spirit. I think those are some ways that we can stand as a witness of God is by recognizing his hand in things and saying so. Not being afraid to say that God's hand is in all of our lives and he's watching over all of us. Now, I, if you're feeling like that might be a little bit silly at sometimes, I understand that because sometimes I feel the same way. And so I'd encourage you to pray more about it and receive your own answers. But I also wonder, like, how much of a, you know, of a teaching moment that would be, right? If we testify of God... Do you not think that the spirit will be with you when you do so? And that it may touch the hearts of those that hear our words? I mean, even those who are members of the church, like how, how powerful that could be if we literally went around always recognizing God's hand in our life and giving him the credit where credit's due. Which is essentially in everything and everywhere.
covenants we have made, these are serious covenants. These are not things to be taken lightly and to be skipped over. It was like, oh yeah, I know what that means. These are things to ponder about and to consider, you know, how am I doing? How can I do better? You know, what what have I been doing good already? And where can I improve? Where do I want to improve? And the people of Alma, they... Alma had been teaching them what all of this meant. And they were excited to be baptized and to enter into this covenant with God. To keep his commandments so that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon them. And they all were baptized, there that were gathered at the waters of Mormon. Two hundred and four souls. That's a lot of souls. But what a joyous day that must have been to have so many people come into the fold of God and make a covenant with him. Now, if you remember... When we make a covenant with God, he blesses us, right? All of those promises he made to the covenant house of Israel, when we keep the commandments and our covenants, he protects us, prospers us, forgives us, extends mercy to us, fights our battles. Everything we cannot do on our own, he does for us. He's the God of the impossible. He loves impossible odds. Because that's an opportunity for him to show that he can do anything. These are people who have just entered into a covenant with God. And, you know, when the king discovers that all these people are gathering and stuff, the Lord warns them that the king is going to kill him. And so they flee into the wilderness because the Lord warned them. They are protected by his hand. So we see that the Lord keeps his promises when we keep ours. And we continue to see that what the Lord prophesies will be fulfilled because as we talk about the king's people who are wicked, we learn about their dis almost destruction by the Lamanites. And we learn, you know, from Gideon, he says, And have not all the words of Abinadi been fulfilled, which he prophesied against us? And all this because we had not hearkened unto the words of the Lord. Right? They're King Limhi's people, because King Noah died by fire, prophecy by Abinadi. They're now in bondage, prophecy by Abinadi. And they're being smitten and destroyed. Prophecies by Abinadi. So like the Lord fulfills his promises. Everything that he prophesied would come to pass has come to pass. He's protected the people of Alma because they were righteous. And he was not able to protect the people of the wicked portion of King Noah's people because they would not hearken unto the words of the Lord. Like we can... Take the word at, we can take the Lord at His word because what He says will happen will happen.
Now, some other interesting things that I found in my reading this morning was when the Lamanites first came upon the people of King Noah, King Noah had convinced a portion of the men to leave their women and children behind as the Lamanites were slaying them. And then, also in the next chapter, we learn about the priests who had fled and how they're too afraid to come back. And so they steal girls while dancing. Both of these decisions seem absolutely ridiculous, and why would anyone in their right mind ever make such absurd choices that just make no sense? It makes no logical sense whatsoever. Why would you want to leave your wife and child unless you were a horrible person? Why would you want to steal these girls unless you were a horrible person? And it's not that they were necessarily horrible people, but it, I think from other things that I've been reading and listening to and understanding emotions and psychology and uh, very a very, very little bit of that, uh, you know, understanding that oftentimes our emotions can drive us to make decisions that we would have not otherwise made. That sometimes we can have so much of an emotion, chemical emotion in our brain, that it's almost like we're drunk in a way. Like we can't think clearly, if that makes sense. Like, when someone's really, 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 really stressed out, they're not able to think logically or clearly about anything because that emotion it has overrun their brain. Right? So example so the example of the priests stealing the daughters of the Lamanites and the Nephite men leaving behind their wives and their children while they're getting sl- slaughtered. think the primary emotion that was driving them to do these things that weren't logical was fear. I think fear was driving their emotions, right? And we hear about the priests. They were ashamed and they feared the people would slay them. So shame and fear are driving their actions and they're not able to think logically. And they're not able to make good choices because they're letting their emotions drive their actions. We don't have much details about the people who left their wives and their children's. Um, but we knew that many of them would not leave. And so they tarried and the rest of them had fled. And those that did flee were angry with the king And they killed him because they were angry at him for telling them to leave their wives and children. They blamed someone else for their choices instead of taking responsibility for their own. But that's another conversation entirely. Anyway, these, these men, I would think, made a decision based on fear. Now, this is an assumption. But maybe it's another emotion that drove them to make a choice that did not seem logical. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm not saying emotions are bad. There's a reason why we have emotions. Emotions are part of our human experience. But when we let the emotions drive us, I have heard this saying, when we let the tail wag the dog, that's when it can become a little bit dangerous. It's okay to feel emotions. It's okay to feel scared and sad or frustrated just so long as you don't allow those emotions to drive your actions. To recognize, you know, this is just what I'm feeling, but to remember the truth of the situation and to act based according to truth and values and gospel principles instead of based on feelings. I just read that I thought that kind of interesting to see how fear drove these people to make choices and the kind of consequences that came because of those choices. And so I will leave our discussion there for today for y'all to ponder on, to ponder on the covenants that you have made with the Lord, like what it means to you to bear one another's burdens and to be a witness unto God. And also to just think about, you know, what are driving your choices? Is it values and principles or is it your emotions? And just kind of doing a self-check today. Uh, If you've received any impressions, please, I highly suggest you record them down. I have seen so many blessings and miracles happen because I record these things down and then I see the Lord like if I have a question I write that down too and the more I study that I recognize the answer and I can write that down and I can see the connection I can see the Lord answering my questions as I ask them in the form of writing them down or recording them in some way so please take the time to record your impressions thoughts questions ideas And then share this podcast with someone you feel like would benefit from it. Who needs to hear hear these things or would enjoy some added study to their personal Book of Mormon inquiries. And, you know, and I'd love to hear from y'all and what experiences you're having with the Book of Mormon and the blessings and miracles you're seeing in your lives as you study upon the promises the Lord has made unto his covenant children you can either email me directly by going by sending an email to the daily bomb at yahoo.com uh, bomb being b o m as in book of mormon and or you know writing a po- post on the facebook page daily feasting on the words of christ and i hope that you will remember that god loves you is always looking out for you and i hope that you have a wonderful day and i'll talk to you later mm-hmm.